0: Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielas. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I chatted with my friend and pastor from right here in Clarksville, Tennessee, Luke Banner. Luke serves as the assistant pastor in our local church. It was so fun talking with him about how community really is the big C church. He shared that the church is the body of Christ and how as members of the body, we make up the congregation of worshiping believers, aka the church. Unlike secular community, Christian community isn't just the frequency of interaction that we have with someone maintaining a shared passion or even sharing common interests. But the goal of Christian community is really for the church to be the church. We got into the nitty gritty of what it looks like to genuinely love other believers who are really different than us apart from our shared desire to glorify God. We discuss authenticity, vulnerability, hurt, and how our ultimate hope in the midst of even the hardest parts of doing life together is that the kingdom of God is near. This conversation with Luke kicks off our series on the topic of Christian community. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast however you listen so that you don't miss upcoming episodes. I cannot wait to share this one with you, but you know before I do, I want to tell you about our sponsors that actually helped to make today's episode possible, Apartment Life and Mesa Home Styling. Mesa Home Styling is a Twin Cities business founded by Heather Douglas that launched out of a passion to see women embrace their current circumstances, including their homes. Heather serves homeowners by helping them create functional and cozy spaces that cultivate contentment and joy. She created a guide to opening your heart and home that she wants to gift every single Journey Women listener. My friend Julie recently worked with Heather to redesign her living room, and she said, I have already spent a ton of time trying to make my living area more hospitable and functional, but I was getting frustrated when my ideas weren't matching up with reality. Heather helped me identify my style, and I was amazed at how quickly she came up with budget-friendly design ideas with items that I could purchase at stores near me. Misa Home Styling offers in-home and virtual styling, and you can find tips for cultivating a joy-filled home at misahomestyling.com. They're also on Instagram and Facebook at mesa homestyling. Go to misahomestyling.com slash journeywomen to grab your freebie on hospitality and to receive 20% off all styling services through May the 1st. Now, on to my conversation with Luke Banner. Luke, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. You are my pastor. You are my friend, and I'm just excited to get to share you with all of our listeners.
1: Well, Hunter, thanks for having me. I am so glad to join Journey Women, and uh, this is a real treat for me. So thanks for having me.
0: Well, you're the guy who's been helping me process like the realities of kind of getting in front of people that I've never met face to face. So it's kind of funny because now you're on the other end, like experiencing that as well, which is just fun.
1: Yeah, it certainly uh, messes with you a little bit. I uh, certainly want to communicate well, but uh, a lot of that may just be my own stuff coming out and uh, seeking my own kingdom as opposed to the Lord's kingdom. But anytime I'm in front of people teaching or preaching, I find myself a little anxious because I want to be understood well. And part of that's my story, but part of it's just, you know, I want the gospel to shine.
0: Absolutely. I totally get that. And I so appreciate your leadership through this whole process with Journey Women and your friendship through it all. It's just, it's really been a huge blessing to me. I think about it often. What a gift that you and your wife, Megan, are. You guys are both, like I said, my good friends. But I'd love for the listeners just to get to hear a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and what your life looks like here in Clarksville, Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I'm a husband. Me and my wife have been married just almost eight years, and we have a really fun, almost two year old little girl named Eden. And uh, my wife is pregnant with our second. Uh, We are going to be having a son in September, and so we're thrilled about that. I'm also, uh, like you said, a pastor at a church here in Clarksville it's called Christ Presbyterian Church and I serve a, in a multitude of ways at this church chiefly though the work of the pastor of any church is really to disciple those people in the church and outside of the church to make disciples where there are not disciples and so I disciple the people of this community, both in and out of the church by ways of counseling the members of this church and stimulating emotional health throughout this church and the community, as well as doing outreach and running community groups at our church and amongst many other things, teaching and preaching and what have you.
0: Yes, it's been such a gift to get to sit under you in that.
1: Well, thanks. It's uh, certainly been a pleasure, and it's it's certainly been a lot of fun to get to know you and your family, and, and you guys are also a great gift to the church.
0: I feel like one of the times that we really got to hear your heart was when we sat in community group leader training, because Brooks is a community group leader at Christ Presbyterian, and I get to help him in that. And you explained to us the whole idea of community. It was just awesome, Luke. I just love how at Christ Presbyterian and I know many other churches, you don't just like get the, here's how to do this, but like, here's the foundation for why we do this biblically. And I love sitting in that class and it sparked this idea to have you come on and talk about the topic of community with us today. So thank you for teaching me. And I'd love for you just to kind of lay out a little bit of that foundation, like just to help our listeners understand what is Christian community in like a biblical sense.
1: Yeah, well, I think first to talk about what Christian community is, we kind of need to distinguish it from what is just community in general or yeah. what is what is kind of a non-Christian community. And so I think the best way to discuss that is really by understanding the church and having a really good theology of what the church is. So mm-hmm. I really think Christian community is the church— being the church. yeah, And in that, we have a statement of identity, and we have a statement of mission. So the church is the statement of identity, that we are this body of Christ, and that Christ is our head, and we are the body as those who worship Him as our Lord and Savior. And so that's our identity. We are the church. We are the Congregation of worshiping believers, and then our mission is to be the church, to act like the church, to do the Great Commission from Matthew twenty-eight, to make disciples of all nations, and we do that in a myriad of ways, in word and in deed. And so, Christian community, I think, really is rooted in our, in the essence of our being, and in, in the essence of who we are, in our identity. Mm being in Christ, as opposed to, you know, maybe some of the ways that community happens throughout the world around us might just be by people being in proximity together, or it may be by having shared interests. Um, But Christian community is not merely those things, or merely uh, the frequency of interaction with someone, or merely uh, having a shared passion, like human rights, or politics, or social justice, all good things. But Christian community is a community that really should be understood from the Bible as being the church, being the church.
0: Yeah. So let me just try and summarize, and you feel free to correct me because this obviously is me learning alongside the listeners. So when you're saying the church, what makes us the church is Christ. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. As a confessing, professing believer that we Confess that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. We worship and obey Him as both Lord and Savior. And so, Christian community really should be understood to be the church. Yeah. Um, and I mean that in like the capital church, yes, the big C way. church. Yeah, the big C. And so um, that doesn't mean that people that are outside of our little church in Clarksville aren't part of the church and Mm -hmm. part of our network of Christian community, but it means that we orient ourselves in a certain way that reflects the overall identity of the church, Mm. being that we are the body of Christ and Christ is our head, and that we also are orienting ourselves towards the mission of the church.
0: Yes, and the mission of the church is what Christ has given us to do.
1: Yeah, certainly. He he says in John 14, uh, if you love me, you will obey me. And the great commission is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always. And so we see throughout Scripture many different things that the church as a community of believers are called to do. But we have to remember, and this is kind of why I highlight this that we are the church, and that is central to our identity as Christians yeah. and central to our mission, because we live in a Western American culture that prizes individualism and prizes autonomy of self. And, and I would just like to speak against that notion, because as the body of Christ, we are a body, we are dependent upon each other, and we are a both an organism and an organization, we need to be a part of each other's lives. And so Christian community is distinctly different because of the reality of identity and mission.
0: I think a lot of communities outside of a Christian context, they're more so identifying with one another because of what they do versus maybe who they are, like you're saying, their identity. It's more to do with like activity than identity. And for Christians, it's I, I believe it. it's identity, and that's how we're identifying with one another, and then out of that identity, then we're doing different things that, that might look really similar and give us you know, a sense of, I guess, camaraderie, but it's more so who we are. What we do flows out of who we are.
1: Yeah, I, I totally think that that is a great overview of what is the distinction, because you know, I do triathlons. I'm a part of a triathlon community. Maybe other people are part of chess clubs, or yeah. uh, like my wife loves cloth diapering, and, yeah. <laughs> and she's on these online forums. And and I'll tell you, I love cloth diapering. It's so great. So those things are shared interests. Those are things uh, that are statements of of interest. Those are things that we do, but those are not necessarily things that identify us as who we are. And so, just in the same way that scripture through the epistles, Paul often lays out this incredible theology of who we are in Christ. That's yes. our statement of being. That's our statement of being. And, and it what comes after that is what we are to do. And in a theological way or a biblical studies kind of way, we refer to that as the indicative and the imperative. The indicative is our state of being, who we are. It's our yes. identity. We are in Christ. And out of that, we live a certain way. That's the imperative. What do we do? So the church is the identity and the church being the church is the mission. And that is totally different from the community of clubs and shared interest groups and people just sharing life together by frequency or water Mm -hmm. conversations because it's not about identity. So that's really core to what makes us a Christian community.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what's interesting is that we are a group of people who may actually have very different interests when it boils down to like cloth diapering or triathloning or you know, whatever it is that that you actually do practically with your time and your day in and day out. That's what's interesting is learning to love one another with all of our differences because that's what Christ has called us to do. And so how does the gospel, what Christ has done for us and to us, actually enable and empower us to do life together despite? the differences that we may maintain?
1: That is such a phenomenal question. I mean, really, that gets to the heart of this whole thing, because we have to understand that the gospel message, uh, according to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace, mm-hmm. you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And so, we understand that the gospel message is a message of hope for the hopeless. Mm. It's a message of life for for those who are dead. It's a message of strength for the weary, innocent for the guilty, and acceptance where there's weakness. And so this message enables and empowers us to do life together because it invites us to authenticity. It invites us to take our masks off. It invites us to not perform And it invites us to not be a part of this try-hard mentality Mm -hmm. of either Christianity or the world around us that says perform and be better. And it's a beautiful invitation to be who we are and to not say, I'm okay when I'm not really okay. Right. Oh, I love that. So when we believe this message,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it allows us to know others for who they are, to give them dignity— to honor them and to appreciate them for their struggles Mm -hmm. and their successes, but also invites us to be vulnerable and to let others know us in a deep, rich, intimate way. Yeah, to know and to be known. We have to remember that Christian community is not an end in itself. Yes. It's a means to an end. So we don't want the goal of Christian community to be us. Yes. Yeah. 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 We don't want it to be anything yes. man centric. We want it to be about God totally. because our faith is about God. It's about what Christ has done for us, yes. and in light of that, that identity moves us to action. Thing it it, it allows us to be free. Yes. And so, community is a byproduct of what God has done for us, and then community is therefore a means and, and to an end that we would be the body of Christ in a way that He is enabling us to be because we are sinners saved by grace. And that's the beauty of the church is that we're all in that same place together so that we can't look at each other and judge and come with self-righteousness to church because we're all sinners saved by grace. And that should give us permission to be known in those struggles. It should give us permission to... Look at each other and have an availability of presence with each other that we can share what's real, and not only sort mm-hmm. of these Facebook-y type posts mm. about how great life is and uh, you know, the victories that we have throughout life.
0: When you're talking about, you know, the body of Christ doing what the body does, I'm like, yes, the catechism that I'm working on with Hadley just rings through my head where it's saying, how can we glorify God by loving him and doing all that he commands? And I think that's Mm. how we, together as a body, we're bringing each other the message of salvation, reminding one another who we are in Christ and how we ought to live because of what he has done for us and on our behalf. And then when we're reminded of that and, and we are admonished to walk in that, then we bring God glory together. It's just such an awesome experience.
1: Absolutely.
0: So why do you think Christians need each other to do this?
1: Well, as the body, we are actually not just needing each other, we are dependent upon each other. Yeah. If we were to take just a little tour of Scripture and look at Ephesians 5 and look at 1 Corinthians 12, these are passages that talk about the body of Christ as mm-hmm. a body, and that Christ is the head. So, our identity is the head that's Christ, and that we operate as the body. And we're encouraged in 1 Corinthians 12 that we need each part of the body. The, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Yeah. We are all given different gifts and talents, and we should use those as the body operating in conjunction. So this is a beautiful picture of intimacy and cohesion and unity. So we need each other because God has asked us, in, in fact demanded, in fact created us to have mutual dependency upon each yes. other. Yes. Yeah, it's, so I think it's it's this really beautiful way that we're encouraged to bring our best both to the body as a worship service, both to the body as we serve each other. It's really this potluck kind of lifestyle where we, we all contribute. And out of that, we all feast together. We all live this communal lifestyle together.
0: So what happens? I mean, this all sounds really nice and good. But then when we're in proximity with other believers, Luke, the reality of the situation is a lot of times we look at the foot and we think, I really don't enjoy being with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it's just hard when you're fleshing this out practically to love your brother or your sister just as they are. So what do we do when we come up against, you know, the situation where we're just, it's difficult to be in relationship with one another because of our oddities?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first thing we need to do is just not ignore that and not act like everything's okay when it's not. I think we actually have to stop and just acknowledge the tension that we have in our own heart that we feel called to love someone who is honestly pretty hard to love. Yeah. And I think that in itself has a real power just for us to have an awareness of self, but then being able to check in with yourself and know how you're feeling in that relationship is going to give you an ability to speak the truth and love to that person, to offer a gift of authenticity and truth to them in a way that's not so much focused on you and your needs and navel-gazing and making yeah. sure that, that your emotional needs are being met, but more that you're going to offer them words that are going to encourage them, perhaps exhort them, but ultimately bring peace where there is no peace. And so I think the way that people... Engage in relationship is incredibly important. And because we're all sinners, we should expect it to be a mess. It should constantly (laughs) be a mess. That has been my experience. Right. And if it's not a mess, then we're probably not showing up authentically.
0: Mm -hmm. What would it look like for us to show up authentically and to depend on one another, like you're talking about?
1: Wow, I think that that is just kind of terrifying, to be honest, because it it means that we're going to have to step outside of ourselves in a way that causes Mm -hmm. us to be really exposed to the world Mm -hmm. around us. And even to offer these kind of life-giving response to someone who you may need to have a, a lovingly confrontational conversation with, that is an act of vulnerability in itself, because you don't know how that's going to go. So I think it just, its it, again, it comes back to believing the gospel message that we are set free from performance, yes. and that we are set in motion to love, to know, and to be known. And it probably necessitates having this mindset of peacemaking versus peacekeeping.
0: Mm-hmm. What would that look like?
1: Well, peacemaking... I really think is is a picture of Jesus coming to this world. Jesus left the beautiful intimacy and heavenly realm uh, with the Father, and He comes to the earth, and He comes marching towards the cross. He comes to pay mm-hmm. His life as a sacrifice for sinners, and all of this because there is no peace, because sin has entered the world and caused incredible destruction and damage and disruption and ultimately estrangement between us and God. And so Jesus is the picture of peacemaking because He goes to the cross so that we can have peace with God. And so in our lives, peacemaking is often a very confrontational approach. Peacemaking is is an approach that is willing to speak and possibly wound in order to heal, whereas peacekeeping is passivity and silence and saying that all is well when things are not actually well. And that is not loving.
0: I mean, what we get to experience as a result of peacemaking is intimacy. Like you're able to actually engage relationally versus peacekeeping would be like a less rich experience of relationship,
1: right? Absolutely. And we have to just remind ourselves constantly that while sin is prevalent in all of our lives, you know, certainly mine, you know, pastor sin, that's, you know, that's part of the deal. You know, <laughs> <Really>? we're all <laughs> right, right. You know, it sin is corrosive, it's toxic, and yeah. it's destructive. It mutilates relationship with ourselves. It mutilates relationships with others, and it mutilates our relationship with mm-hmm with God. It doesn't necessarily threaten our eternal relationship with God, but there's something of a of a distancing that happens when we are sinning and putting something before God. And so there's this pervasive effect that is toxic and corrosive to our entire being and the world yeah. around us and certainly to the Christian community. Right. To the point that it necessitates speaking the truth in love to someone who may need to hear something.
0: Yeah, that's really challenging. Luke, I'm always sitting here questioning, like... What necessitates me actually saying something? Like, do you have any advice? Because I know so many women, especially, we have a tendency to shirk confrontation and conflict. I don't know if it's women or men, too. You can tell me more from, like, a counselor's perspective. <laughs> mm. But I feel like, especially if women, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. And I just, I think that's such a challenge to be willing to do that. Like, when do we know we need to say something, Luke?
1: Yeah, that is such a good question. Such a good question that it's pretty hard to answer, really, because (laughs) it's kind of an ongoing dialogue. Mm -hmm. I think that every person, man, woman alike, have to have continually with themselves of, hey, what what am I feeling right Uh now? uh What am I feeling in this relationship it's also probably helpful to sort of nuance: Did they sin against me, mm-hmm. or did they offend me because of some of my own stuff, some yeah. of my own yeah. junk, some it's of my good. own insecurities? So I think there's just kind of a constant processing that needs to happen there for that to be, uh, you know, knowing the the right time to speak. But I, I think maybe I would just encourage the listeners of Journey Women to think. Is it loving for me to stay silent?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. When might you see the answer to that being no? Would it be when it's a sin issue or like a glaring sin issue? Or is there any distinction there that you might be able to offer? Is that just like the Holy Spirit will let you know?
1: Yeah, I I think there's definitely a lot of trial and certainly error Mm -hmm. in that. And so much grace. Oh, certainly. Yeah. And so I think we have to be willing to fail. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think we have to be willing to be wrong and perhaps Mm -hmm. call someone to something that may have actually been our own stuff. But that's sort of the mess of community. Totally. You know, so even when you do it wrong, you're doing it. You're showing up and you're being present. You're being authentic. You're being real because we're freed to know and be known.
0: What kind of conversations have you had with people that you're engaging in this experience of community with just to kind of set the precedence for like, hey, I'm going to be coming to you and I want to ask you to come to me. Like, do you have a conversation to kind of set the groundwork, especially when you're stepping into like maybe a new community that you haven't been a part of?
1: Yeah, you know, I've tried that. I have. And I certainly am someone who struggles with feeling misunderstood Uh and that when I feel misunderstood or missed, I want to have those conversations and I want to see reconciliation Uh and healing and and peacemaking take place. But I can actually overcompensate, um, if you will, (laughs) and I can can operate in a way, if I'm not careful, that I need something from others Mm. as opposed to Offering something from others, mm-hmm. or, or, or rather, offering something to others. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, I need harmony, as opposed to being willing to live in the tension of the relationship as it exists. And if I'm overly trying to manage and manipulate, I can find myself very anxious at times, wondering, mm-hmm. "Oh, what did they think? How did they mm-hmm. receive this?" And then, you know, you get into those those moments where you start texting and you like try to, uh, you try to ask a question of like, hey, how are we kind of checking in without really asking? And so like, if that ever happens, I find myself realizing, okay, this, this might be a little bit about me and not actually about serving the ultimate relationship as it exists.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And as you were talking, I just kind of wanted to draw it back again to maybe restating what the goal of community is, because I think as we're talking, it's like we're getting into the whole relational side, which is, you know, an experience of community. But I think remembering that overarching goal, even in the midst of this conversation, helps us stay on track in regard to what our purpose is in the midst of developing these relationships. Can you just remind us of that? Like, what is the goal of Christian community?
1: Yeah. What What is the goal of Christian community? I, I'd say, back to what I said earlier, um, that it would be the church being the church. Yeah. Um, in the, the Westminster Confession, uh, the question comes to us, I think it's question one, what is the chief end of man?
0: To, to glorify, glorify God, God yeah.
1: and enjoy Him forever. And so yes. I think as the communing body of believers, our goal in community is to worship together. Yeah. and And that's yes. not just on Sunday mornings. That's all pervasive. Everything that we do should be an extension of worship. Everything should be doxological and we should live as a kingdom people who are moving towards each other in a radically authentic and vulnerable way because that's the invitation from Christ. As we are known in our sin, it frees us to be vulnerable. Mm. And so the goal of Christian community, I think, should be the glory of God and the proclamation of the gospel, and word, and deed, and all that we do. Yes. So
0: as we are, you know, embarking upon that goal together, how can we serve one another and help one another to do that better? And how can we bear each other's burdens um, as we're as we're seeking to glorify God together as the church?
1: There's so many different ways that we have felt needs in this world: mm-hmm. physical, mental, mm-hmm. emotional, spiritual. And I think the body should care for those felt needs as they appear. And Mm. we should care for each other financially and pray for each other and and offer each other meals and all that stuff, but just have a place to both rejoice together as well as cry and mourn together. So I think we need to serve each other in all the ways that matter. And and, and really, when you think about what matters, everything matters. Everything. So... That's certainly one way that we can serve each other in community and bear one another's burdens. But I think there's something else going on in how we can do that well. And I think it might just be this, Hmm. that we don't settle for Mm. the facades. Yes. That we are in touch with uh, our own self enough that we can offer to someone life-giving permission and invitation to be known and that we would serve the community by being an integral part of the community. And I think that requires each person to have a willingness to know and be known.
0: I really hope you guys are enjoying this conversation with Luke as much as I am. And because I think you are, I want to tell you about the other sponsor that helped to make it possible, Apartment Life. How would you like to serve as a local missionary in an apartment community and receive up to 70% off your rent at the same time? Apartment Life is a faith-based nonprofit organization that sends CARES teams to live missionally in apartment communities and to live out God's calling to love their neighbors through practical, intentional, and everyday ways. By living on site, CARES teams are there to welcome a new neighbor and to give them the scoop on the neighborhood. Through hosting events, CARES teams are the kind of people who know everybody and who help their neighbors make new friends. If you're interested in learning more about how to serve God through the roles of a CARES team, visit ApartmentLife.org or send them a message on Facebook. That's ApartmentLife.org or send a message on Facebook. Now, back to my conversation on community with Luke Banner. And I think we also serve each other in helping one another know who we are, you know, just in reminding us who we are in Christ and then also offering us feedback on, you know, the way in which we come across or our own giftings. Like I know for me, a lot of what I'm actually doing practically to help love and serve the body are things that other women have spoken into me and they've offered feedback about my giftings and they've... Come alongside me and shepherded me in those, like help me learn to wield those uh, for God's glory and not for my own glory, and thereby I'm able to serve the church more effectively.
1: Absolutely, and and I really want to touch on what you just said there because we have to understand that we are created in the image of a Trinitarian three in one God. Yeah, and what does that mean? Is it, it means that we are we are created for incredible intimacy and community.
0: Yeah. You were the first person, Luke, who pointed out to me, like, I don't know why I never thought of this, but that that God himself is experiencing intimacy within the members of the Trinity. Like that's such a cool thought.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that that has to be foundational to all that we understand about the church and all that we understand about the community of uh, of the Christian body, because we are made in His image, which means we are not made for individualism. We are not made right. to live life alone. It's not good that man should be alone, right? Our very souls cry out for intimacy with God and certainly with each other. And so, what you are saying about the the community around us kind of helping us know ourselves. John Calvin refers to God's law as having three uses, one of those being a mirror to ourselves, that mm. God's law shows us yeah. who we are in the presence of God. But you know, I think we have to see that in community, those around us are a mirror to us as well.
0: Yeah. One of my friends who I was learning from, he actually, he's been on the podcast a few times, Matt Lance. He uh, was a mentor to me and he used to call the community that we experienced in the little school called The Forge, a room full of mirrors. Like you just see these Mm. sides of yourself that you've never seen, both good and bad. And obviously that's not for the purpose of just knowing yourself, but for the purpose of how God has uniquely wired and created you so that you can serve him out of the way in which he's uniquely wired you. Yeah. I love that. I do too. So, what would happen if we decided to put aside the facades, as you said, and actually do life together and walk in community in a real
1: genuine way? I think it would bring growth just to our own hearts. Hmm. It would sort of reconcile the relationship we have with ourselves, which is probably a really odd thing to say. But the way that we view Mm ourselves, I think, can change in light of that, as Mm -hmm. well as. Bringing growth in relationship to those around us, mm-hmm. and and also to God, and the way that we relate with God. So as we become more authentic, and as we believe the gospel message more and more, it should liberate us to engage with the reality of our lives, both the brokenness and the good stuff, in a way that is bringing us closer to ourself, to those around us, and to the to our our Father.
0: Yeah. You know, and as I'm thinking, I'm hearing that description, and I'm like, that's attractive to an onlooking world. Like, a lost and dying world looks at the church, the big C church, that's doing that in a way that glorifies God. And I think they're like, man, that's different.
1: Absolutely. And I think that ultimately what happens here is that when we do this, we bring the kingdom near. Yeah. We are making the kingdom manifest among yes. us as we are actually living out our faith as the body and walking in love with each other. Yes. So I think this causes us to fall in love with God and yeah. fall in love with the gospel, but it also yeah. causes us to fall in love with each other yes. because we are seeing the reality of who they are and not yes. assuming to know who they are based on a Sunday morning, yes. but we're, we're getting to know them in deeper ways and the mess is beautiful.
0: Luke, I love that you said that because I've been thinking a lot about how we see in scripture that the kingdom of God is made up of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And that means we're going to be in community with people that are very different than us on a practical level. And I think that makes me want to be even more intentional about embracing the people that are around me and maybe even seeking out people that are very different than me because that's what the kingdom of God looks like, to better represent the kingdom of God, like in a practical sense.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that we have to be really intentional um, in pursuing that kind of community. And like you were saying, as the, the body of Christ in the heavenly realm is going to include people from all tongues and tribes and nations, you know, there is a certain way that we can't really create community and yeah. be the body unless right. we're willing to be uncomfortable. For sure. Throughout Scripture, it is really, really clear that those who follow after the Lord are made to be uncomfortable. And suffering in, it, in itself, in a different way, is totally something that all of us are called to in one way or another as Christians. And and that's not to say that me having someone over for dinner that's not part of my particular little tribe is suffering, but it is to say that it it necessitates a willingness to step outside of our bubbles and to live in the tension of what is it like to be you and to live mm-hmm. in that place of of learning and being uncomfortable with people that we're not very familiar with maybe
0: yeah that can be really uncomfortable but i think it's just such a rich experience of getting to know god's people because the reality is kingdom god is not made up of people just like me it's made up of all different kinds of people and that's a glorious thing because it reflects who god is
1: absolutely i think that's a great thing to seek after and You know, my little church, we are our church. We are, we're cut from a a lot of the same cloth, uh, a lot of the people at our Mm -hmm. church. And part of that's just the geography of where we're located. And that's okay. That's not something to skirt away from. That's just the reality. But Mm -hmm. we want our body to be more diversified. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, We want mm -hmm. it to be uh, reflecting the kingdom of God in that same way that you're referring to earlier. And I think we have to remember as we do that, we have to intentionally create community Mm. because community is something that we can inherit. And I've been very, very fortunate to Mm -hmm. uh, step into some communities that I have kind of inherited, if you will. But community has a way of dying if people aren't, engaging with it and being intentional with it and and making it continually uh, grow. Mm. And so we have to be intentional about pursuing community. And I I guess the natural question is, how do we do that? Yeah, exactly. How do we actually create that? I think that's probably the million-dollar question. And I think it has to do with both vulnerability Mm. and trust. Mm -hmm. We have to have trust, some measure of trust with someone in order to offer the good stuff w- to be mm-hmm. vulnerable mm-hmm. but there is no real trust until there's vulnerability yeah yes and so those things have to grow together and be yeah. there together and as we create that that friendship on a one-on-one mm-hmm. level we sort of become this relational dynamic that in- allows others to see what's happening, and we can invite them into the intimacy that we're actually experiencing. And from there, community starts to take root. Mm -hmm. And uh, as people move into that community, we continue to seek towards each other being intentional and inviting them to know and be known along with us.
0: You and Megan do that really well, Luke, and I'm so thankful to get to learn from you in that. And I know a lot of our listeners are in really transient lifestyles. I think it's interesting that the Journey Women podcast, women journeying, have really come together. So one of the questions that I've gotten as we've talked about intimacy and relationships and things like that is, what does it look like for us to do that in a healthy way when we don't necessarily always have a lot of time? Because I know that a lot of times trust is earned with time. We may be in a lifestyle that's more transient, that doesn't allow us the luxury of time. So can you just speak to what it might look like to do that if you're living in a lifestyle that might be a little less rooted than you would hope for, maybe?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. When I think about some of the richer communities I've been a part of, I think back to a camp that I worked at. I think mm-hmm. back to youth group, and I think about my my days at Covenant College, yeah. and I think about my seminary days at RTS Orlando and it's just really rich community there that was cultivated as a result of vulnerability, trust, and just exposure and frequency to the people that I love. Yeah. So how do we do that now as young families? Mm-hmm. How do we do that when we're, we're transient? That yes. is such a great question, and I think it just has to do with risk. We have to be willing to show up and be present and take the opportunities that we have before us and we have to be willing to to see things not go as we had planned we mm-hmm. have to be willing to to be hurt i think so yeah i think that's kind of what what risk really is mm-hmm. is is a is an exposing of ourselves in such a way that we can actually be hurt by those who we have mm-hmm. hope to love us have hope yeah. to connect with and You know, not every relationship, even in the body of Christ, is going to result in the kind of kingdom friendship that we Mm -hmm. seek. But I think we have to be willing to try. And I think that just comes down to being present in relationships as we have the opportunities to pursue them.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, I think about when we talk about hurt. We often, all of us, and and this is right and good, are longing for the day where there will be no more tears and when we won't experience that pain. Um, We're longing for heaven. We can't wait for the kingdom of God to be brought down to earth. But if our future reality is together, can that begin even now, Luke, on this side of heaven?
1: What we get really here is a foretaste of heaven. Yes. The richest Mm. of all community that we're going to get Mm. This side of heaven is just a foretaste of what awaits us. Mm. It's a foretaste of the, the relationship that we will have with Jesus and the body of Christ, the bride of Christ in heaven. So, yeah, those things, they should propel us forward to doxology and mm. to longing for the kingdom and praying, Lord, bring your kingdom
0: it's awesome because it makes you want to strive even more to know and be known and to worship and glorify God together to just get that little foretaste. But then the thought that it's just a foretaste, that it's a, but like a little tiny smidgen of what we're going to experience. Like, what in the world? That blows my mind thinking about what that might be like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as much as it's a foretaste of heaven, it can all, also be the bitter gall of hell. mm. When we risk and we have this pursuit of Christian community and being the church and this kingdom hmm. people, when we're hurt, it really, really hurts. Mm-hmm. And it, I think the temptation is for us to withdraw, to pull back, right. to settle for being isolated to live in shame, to repeat what Adam and Eve did after they sinned and to cover ourselves with fig leaves and yeah. to just be very comfortable not being known.
0: Yeah, hiding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that as much as we have hope for mm. the kingdom and what that would look like for us on the other side of glory, when we have hope, especially in friendship, that's that's the time that we're going to... Be exposed to the most heartbreak. Yes. And so, th- there again is where repetitive risk and the mm-hmm. cycle of opportunity for engagement and being present takes place. And it's a mess.
0: Yes. And if we
1: are not people who are willing to make peace and surround ourselves with people who have a a mindset of biblical peacemaking in Matthew 18, we're going to just eventually tend towards Uh uh isolation and shame and never being the body of Christ because it just hurts sometimes.
0: Yeah. What motivates you to continue showing up after you've experienced hurt like that?
1: Yeah. Well, it is a hard reality. I have suffered many relationships Mm -hmm. filled with rejection and strife and disappointment. Unrecon- absolutely disappointment, just irreconcilable differences in mm-hmm. some sense, because the other person has chosen not to reconcile mm. and I just hold out hope that the Christian community, the church being the church, is called to make peace, and that I want truly to be known and to know others, and that the intimacy that I have had tastes of in the past, that drives me forward because Mm -hmm. it brings me in closer connection with, like I said earlier, with myself, with those around me, and with the Lord, all to His glory, all to His praise, all to the growth of the body of Christ and building Christ in those around me. And and so it's, I guess the hope is sort of the kingdom coming near, and it's really, really difficult. And I, I have to labor against that at times because... There's there's been a lot of hurt in my life.
0: Yeah, and I think about Jesus, and it's like, wow, what more betrayal could you experience than what He experienced? Like, to know that you have a Savior who knows this struggle in the deepest way, like far more than we ever would. His embodiment of that like gives me courage to walk forward.
1: Yeah, me too. Because the rejection that He had uh, just from Peter alone, foretelling exactly. that He would deny Him three times, and by- Judas. Absolutely. It's encouraging to me, certainly just as a man, but as a pastor as well, that there's a day mm-hmm. coming when mm-hmm. I will feel very betrayed by someone close to me within the church. I know that day mm. is coming. I don't know who they are. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: as it's happened in relationships, just in my personal life, I know it'll also happen in the relationships of the church. And that's that's just the reality of living in a broken world. Yeah. And we should expect nothing other than that, But along the way, we can still experience beautiful intimacy, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we can still experience that Christian community that is a foretaste of heaven.
0: Totally. Certainly it is worth the risk. And you're just setting me up too well, Luke, because next week we're going to have a whole episode on conflict and confession. So hopefully that'll offer some more practical helps to people who are like, man, I really want to do that well, but I've just never seen that emulated. Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, what resources would you recommend for somebody who wants to develop their understanding of community?
1: Well, I would just start with a really great little book that's only about 100 pages called The Cure. Ooh, I've never read this. The subtitle is What If God Isn't Who You Think He Is, and Mm. Neither Are You. Hmm. It's written by three guys, John Lynch, Bruce McNichol, and Bill Thrall. And this book is just a game changer. I I recommend this literally to every single person who uh, I have a conversation with about anything close to this. Yeah. So I highly recommend The Cure. I I would also say for those who want a little bit more study, um, especially geared towards knowing yourself and through knowing yourself, being able to offer that to the world around you. There's Mm. a book by Dan Allender called To Be Told that is a tremendous resource that helps us understand the stories that have shaped us. And when we're talking about community and Mm. talking about vulnerability and trust and things, this is a great resource to help push us in a direction of being authentic in relationship, Um, not that we would divulge all of our life stories to each other, necessarily, but that it gives us an orientation of where we've come from.
0: Mm. And it's pretty
1: hard to know where you're at unless you've known where you come from. Yeah. Another resource would be a really great book by Jean Vignet called Community and Growth. Okay. And this is a good read, pretty dense, but it's about community. Jean Vignet started a community called L'Arche and uh, it was a place for the mentally handicapped to live in community. And Jean wow. left an Ivy League school as a, a distinguished professor to start this community. And he writes extensively about what it's like to live in community. And it's beautiful. Luke, I'm so excited. Three
0: total newbie resources. I can't wait to check them out. Thanks for those. And my next question is one that I ask every guest. And it's a little bit girly. So every time I ask a dude, I'm kind of like, but hey, I know you still have lots of simple joys in your life. We would love to hear them.
1: I don't think there's anything feminine about that question. I really? love that question. Yay! Yeah, okay, I love it feels it.
0: girly to me. I don't know why. Uh, maybe the word "simple."
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I guess. I guess I could see maybe why. But no, I think that that's just that's a beautiful question. So for me. My first simple joy is, is a pretty new one, and it's just watching my daughter.
0: Oh, she is so
1: great. Oh, wow. Just watching her do anything, really. But um, watching her play is so mm-hmm. pure and innocent, and I just love that. Another would be my heart comes alive with adventure and play. And that can look like a lot of different things, but I'm just wired for curiosity and exploration and adventure. Mm-hmm. So like, what do
0: you do? I know you triathlon. Is that like the primary way?
1: I do that. Playing soccer is a great way of oh, play. Oh, cool. You and Megan share that. Yeah, eating uh, at new restaurants, certainly mountain biking, surfing, shredding in general, just, you know, going on backpacking trips, anything that gets me out of the normal routine is just a beautiful way for me to connect. And it, it just causes my heart to sing. So I love all things adventure and play. That's awesome.
0: We've been talking about how we want to get the girls out and exposed to nature, like sleeping in nature as soon as possible. I don't know. Megan would be be down for that pregnant. That'd be
1: awesome.
0: (laughs) Now we have to because it's on the podcast. Oh, it's official. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. You got one more? I do. Yeah. I just love eating and drinking stuff that starts with the letter B like biscuits and gravy. My absolute favorite thing on the planet (laughs) is a good plate of biscuits and gravy. And I've learned to make it pretty good. So I make that barbecue low and slow. I'm a barbecue man. You are great at making some barbecue too. Oh, thank you. If I ever left ministry, I think I would open a barbecue restaurant. Nice and then beer and bourbon man i I've, I've just fallen in love with <laughs> bourbon in the last few years and so basically anything that starts with a b I, i'll either probably eat it or cook it and I just I get a lot of simple joy out of just being in the kitchen. That's that's, awesome. I'm excited to know that because I have often wondered.
0: You and I both share the love language of gift giving, and when you had your ordination, I thought frequently like, what am I going to get, Luke? Which I still haven't done. So now I'm going to remember that every time I see something with a B, I'm going to be like, hmm, maybe this. Yep.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of good bourbons you could buy me. That'd be okay. I'm going to get a list. (laughs) All right, I'll take it.
0: Well, I have loved getting to hear little bits and pieces of your story, and um, you've had such a great influence on my own personal walk with the Lord, even though we've only known each other for like a couple years at most. But I'd love to hear from you, Luke. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus?
1: Well, I have a couple names that come to mind immediately. Tell me as many as you want. Okay, well, Two men, when I was in high school, loved me really, really well. One was my youth pastor. His name's John Wright um, mm. from a little town in Elizabeth in Tennessee. John loved me well by letting me wrestle with the faith and take me to breakfast and just give me a picture of what it is to love people where they're at and to listen well and uh, to escort me to Jesus. Wow. So John did a great job with that. He's a great man. Another in high school was uh, the father of one of my best friends. His name was Dan Gleason. Dan was a missionary for many years and an Hmm. aviation uh, instructor at Moody Bible Institute in Elizabethan. And Dan just had a way of making everybody feel like they were the most important person in the world. And Dan. It was simultaneously one of the most playful human beings I've ever been around, and he really taught me what it was to be a man of God. When I, as a as a fellow, didn't have a dad, so I was looking Gosh. around, seeing these men of mm. faith, and Dan was just a man who loved me so well, and I uh, I got a glimpse of Jesus through Dan. Uh, another in college, a man named Lynn Teague. Lynn Teague was. Uh, my wife and I is a uh, youth ministry professor at Covenant College. He's hmm. still on staff at Lookout Mountain Prez and Lookout Mountain, Georgia. And Lynn just, he loves people in such a just beautiful way. When he looks at you with his eyes and, and smiles and talks to you, you, you really get a sense of Uh, of Jesus' presence.
0: Mm. And so,
1: Lynn, just really by being Christ to me, he really showed me the love of God. And he ended up marrying me and my wife as a result of the impact he had on us. So, I owe much of my my vision of of loving people to mm. uh, those men. I would probably be amiss a uh, if I didn't also mention a uh, an author named Millard Erickson who wrote a book called Christian Doctrine. Mm. And this is a, a peculiar little book. It's kind of a, a intro systematics, if you will. And Millard Erickson wrote this chapter on predestination that I read when I was mm. in college. Yeah, and I think it was actually through reading that chapter that I understood the gospel for the first time. And so while the material that this author wrote is nothing new or novel, this is just the first time that it was coming to me. And I appreciate the work of this author, because through that, I think I understood the gospel message for the richness that it is, maybe for the first time ever.
0: Wow, that is so awesome. Well, I'm praising God for that. And Luke, I just think it's so cool thinking back on all the different seasons of life, how God has really provided you with a source of counsel and just a a person that you know that is pointing you to Jesus. And I'm so thankful for this season of life in which you have done that for me and for Brooks. It's just such a joy to get to know you and to get to share you with the other listeners, the people who are listening into this conversation today. So thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. If you're not a member of a local church, I really hope this episode encourages you to get plugged in somewhere. Brooks and I have moved a lot, and we know that finding a local church can be challenging, so I went ahead and included some of my favorite resources for doing that, along with Luke's noteworthy quotes and resources from this episode, under the show notes section of our website, journeywomenpodcast.com. To continue discussing the topic of community with us, hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram throughout the week. You'll also want to be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll catch next week's episode on confession and conflict. Hey, if you are enjoying these conversations, we would love it if you'd take three minutes to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you don't know how, you can find that info under the podcast tab on our website. Doing this helps get our podcast on the radar of other women who are also on their journeys to glorify God. Thank you so much for allowing us to journey alongside y'all. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.